Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, we got a busy two and a half hours with you today here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Originating the program today from Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino, where we're hanging out with you on Pint Night, 350, 450, and 550 pints, $3 cans of Modelo. We also have $4 Fireball, and the menu speaks for itself. Doesn't matter what you're in the mood for. Pizza, brisket, wings, sandwiches, burgers, fajita tacos. They got it all here. All of it here at Border City L House. And we'll be watching the Jets and the Chargers tonight out here. Jets and Chargers. Hopefully, we'll have UTEP and McMurray at 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Do we have ESPN Plus here at the Yale House? We do. So we'll have UTEP McMurray on the screens. We'll have the Jets and the Chargers. We'll be giving away prizes at halftime. Oh, so many prizes to give away. I can't wait to talk about those. Uh, thanks to uh, all of our friends providing us uh, with uh, – we have added prizes today, too. We have lots of friends, not just um, our usual cast of characters, which uh, consists of our uh, the great uh, All That Music and Video Collector's Marketplace out there at the Fountains of Farah, just underneath uh, the Best Buy uh, parking garage. But also, um, we've got 915 uh, Sports and Novelties, El Paso Rhinos Hockey, Horizon Golf Conference Center, we also have Relax El Paso. We've got UTEP basketball tickets for the women's game Saturday afternoon at the Don. They're playing right now, by the way. I also have a pair of tickets to Pierce the Veil. That's coming uh, to the Haskins Center this Wednesday night. And a four-pack of Paw Patrol live seats. Saturday morning, December the 2nd at the Coliseum. We're giving it all the way here. Live with you at Border City Ale House. So much to talk about on the program. Where do we start? Well, why don't we start with the three articles that are up on the website that Adrian talked about a moment ago. The women are playing as we speak. That game started at 4 o'clock. The men play tonight at 7. Zay took care of the women's preview. Adrian took care of the men's preview. These are extensive 13 to 1,400-word articles. You definitely want to read them to get a good primer on these two teams. Absolutely recommend it. And then, once you've read all the basketball you can handle, I took care of a story this morning that is called UTEP Football and the Dana Dimmel Dilemma. And what I mean by that is, is that after the game Saturday night, much as we've seen over the last four or five games, fans are calling for Coach Dimmel's head. They are now officially eliminated from postseason. So I felt that the article was much more um, appropriate now than it's been in weeks past. The truth is, in fairness, I wanted to see, uh, you know, if UTEP could try to turn their season around and, and avoid losing seven games. That did not happen, as we all knew it was bound to happen, and it did Saturday night. So thus, the speculation starts because the truth is, at this point of the season, Adrian, as much as we'd like to say that all minor fans are hoping for the best from, uh, you know, Cade McConnell and uh, the rest of the minor uh, football team, the truth is, 
is that uh, the future of their head coach and uh, will he uh, be able to survive this year or will they reach agreement on a potential buyout? That is the number one topic, the only topic that people are really talking about involving UTEP football here at this point in time. You know, after the game on Saturday, I, I always have, you know, a little conversation with Sal Montes, co-host here on Minor Talk, after they lost 21-13 to Western Kentucky. And, you know, at points in that game, I'm sitting in the press box at the Sun Bowl, and I'm thinking to myself, how? How is UTEP going to find a way to lose this game and they found a way they were uh leading in it three nothing they should have been uh, leading 17 nothing at one point yeah uh, but uh despite that western kentucky rallies back in the third quarter and they win the game pretty much handily after going up 14 to three really not looking back despite that bomb that mcconnell threw out to kelly akari uh for that 62 yard touchdown but when we were taught when sal and i were talking about it we thought to ourselves well there's probably not going to be a lot of people who want to talk about this one no that this happened against La Tech. This happened pretty much against UNLV, and it's pretty much the same thing happening over and over. But no, that you're exactly right. All people want to talk about right now is how they are not satisfied. They are not happy with this football program, the direction it's in right now, and how badly they want to see a change. I feel like every week, fans get another excuse to talk about how they want change with this UTEP program. I don't blame them right now, just knowing where they they at and where the expectations were going into the season look i i believe as i put this article together today on the website i believe that they will get change okay it will happen um i don't know when and i don't know in what form i just believe that for utep athletics it will be uh it's it's a, a buyout that they cannot afford not to make if that makes sense I mean, they, they, they have to. It's just what it comes down to. And as we've talked about over and over and over again, over the last six years, Dana Dimmel has been as nice and as media-friendly and as genuine an individual as we've ever worked with. And as a result, we rooted for the guy. Really, really wanted to see him win. I like, I like Dana. I like the family. I like everybody about everything about him. And I like the coaching staff. I mean, it's a very likable group of people. It really is. But bottom line is, if you're not winning and the losses are becoming like more and more frustrating by the game, it just keeps building and building and building and eventually there comes a breaking point. And for a lot of fans, that breaking point was not Saturday. It was it was, you know, weeks or months ago. It really was. But you know, officially, as far as postseason, it all ended on Saturday. Hence, uh, the story on the website, which is a little different than others because we do go into the contract. Um, I am working, by the way, on trying to link the contract extension to the story. I have not put that up yet, but I'm working on that. Hopefully I have that soon so people can at least reference that. Just doesn't really matter because the, the, the crux of the, of the issue is the buyout and how that works, and that's all explained uh, in the story. But, Adrian, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's, it, to me, it is inevitable. In fact, um, you know, some fans are saying, well, is there a chance that Dana Dibble can come back? I mean, there's always a chance. You can't say there's no chance. There's always a chance. However, if that was to happen, I think between what's left of the fan base as far as season ticket holders go and donors and everything else, there, it would it would 
it would be a catastrophic thing for the, for the university. I, I just don't think they can at, you know, afford to go into another season and, and let Dana coach out the last year of his contract. I just I, I can't see it under any under any possible scenario. I think it's important to say this, uh, you know, again and again, knowing what we heard over the weekend, right? Because uh, Colin Deaver of KTSM posts that video of his response, uh, Dana Dimmel's response when asked the question, has he talked to the higher-ups about, uh, you know, coming back next year and what that really looks like? And Dana Dimmel was basically giving two uh, glaring excuses, one of them being the injuries that have mounted and the other being the the tough games uh, and tough schedule that he claimed the Miners had ahead of them or you know played up to this point well you know I I get it from the injury perspective but at the same time I don't Steve because they touted their depth all offseason long and told you how good their twos and threes have really come along so if you're not winning with the starters in place and you're not winning with the backups that you touted in the offseason that you liked then that falls on you as a coaching staff and then on the flip side with the strength of schedule they have one of the worst strength of schedules in the country that's just facts right there uh if you combined everybody uh, all the teams that they played and their records they're 52 and 42 so uh, it's just above 500 right there in terms of winning percentage and their opponents that they're playing just above 500 and they can't beat those teams in year six that's just the bottom line no it's true it's very true and um this was this was supposed to be a very winnable schedule. It was. We all looked at it, and we know what they rank in the strength of schedule. We get all that. The fact is this. When they were healthy, they were losing games. It's not like this was a team that completely went off the rails when the injuries started mounting up. When they were healthy, they were losing. And now the only difference is, uh, you know, now they're banged up and they're still losing. But, I mean, this is no different than what was happening at the start of the year. They were 1-4 to begin the year. 1-4. And, you know, then Gavin gets hurt, and then the backups come in, and they get hurt, and then Cade gets a shot, and he's still uh, right now the quarterback. But uh, this season was gone a lot lot earlier than that. It just became official on Saturday when they lost game number seven. And how ironic, Adrian, that the night that UTEP loses and is officially eliminated from bowl any possible postseason, uh, that's the same night the Aggies win their seventh game become bowl eligible, and now are in the driver's seat for a shot at playing for a CUSA championship against Liberty in about a month. You know, some of the uh, minor fans that I was talking to, they were rolling their eyes when they saw the score of – NMSU and Middle Tennessee. It was 13-7 to the final. And you know what? To those fans, I would say this. Even though that game was not pretty for the Aggies, they won the game. And Jerry Kill wins games. And those team, those players win uh, those close matchups right there. I would rather have those, those ugly wins, than losses. Than, you know, being in games like the Miners are for a half and then falling ultimately when it's all said and done. Uh, UTEP fans, what would they give for back to back seasons where you are bowl eligible that doesn't happen in El Paso that doesn't yep. happen with this university it hasn't happened since the mid 2000s uh, when Mike Price was the head coach so uh, you know when you look over there 45 minutes away I think that's where a lot of minor fans were extremely upset this weekend that kind of fueled the fire this weekend knowing that the Aggies are having so much success and UTEP isn't 
Adrian at Enemy Win the number three brings up a really good point, and he says, "What is the point of getting rid of Dimmel if we can't afford to pay for a good coach? At least Dimmel brings in talented players, and they are competitive." Adrian, I'll say this about that. Okay, I do believe that when UTEP is looking for their next head coach, whenever that time comes, it would not surprise me if the next coach has a base salary of a million dollars. That would be only 150000 more than they would have paid Dana next season. And I think the time has come when UTEP just has to invest in a head coach. Now, I don't expect it to be an older coach with a, with a uh, proven track record as a head coach. I still think they go young and go young up-and-coming coordinator, P5, somebody who is on the up-and-up, who would come here, get their first head coaching shot, and assuming they do well, leave and go to a power five as a head coach. That's that is ultimately the path I think they will take, but I you know, they've ne- they haven't taken that path in God knows how many years because you think about it, realistically, you know, hiring the young coordinator has never really been something that UTEP has has done. I guess Gary Nord uh, UTEP might have been his first head coaching job when he was promoted from offensive coordinator after uh, Charlie Bailey uh, was was outed UTEP head coach. But, I mean, for the most part, they've always kind of gone a certain direction. And, you know, Sean Kugler, never really a head coach prior to UTEP, but I mean, you didn't look at Sean and think, young up-and-coming head coach you thought former minor long-time assistant knows the city knows the program they finally hire one of their own adrian i'm talking about something completely different i'm talking about somebody in their 30s early 40s that is considered one of the top young um, assistant coaches in the country and if that's the case you know what pay them accordingly Give them enough money to to bring in a staff that they that they can work with and hopefully recruit to and nil dollars and look you got to invest in the program if you want to see it grow that's just the bottom line we always hear from our boss here at the station his favorite line is cheap is expensive and it's true it really is true if you try to save money it can ultimately cost you in the long run. And I really hope that when the time comes for UTEP to find their next leader, they don't use that approach. Even with attendance the way it is and, and, and dollars in the program the way it is, hey, look, you got concerts every five minutes in the Haskins Center. That money is going to an auxiliary fund. If you got to tap into that to help uh, make a difference and, and do things you've never done before, so be it. But they just have to find a way to make the right investment so they can get the payoff. Think about it, because if they don't, if they uh, miss out again, then that sets this program back again. What Dana Dimmel, what you could say that he did do with this program is he brought it uh, to a certain level. Now they just need somebody else to take it to new heights. It was in a really bad place, no doubt about it. And yeah, to Adrian at Enemy Win 3's point, he has recruited some top-level talent. Now who's going to get, who's going to come in here and take that top-level talent to the next level where it's actually winning versus hey mediocre to subpar exactly so look you want to talk about it with us 505-6009 that's our telephone number 505-6009 just getting started here today on sports talk live from border city l house 1506 lee trevino come on down and join with us have some happy hour drinks excitement and let's get ready 
for the Jets and Chargers and uh, the Miners' uh, first basketball game. And I believe, is the women's game on ESPN Plus as well right now, Adrian, or just the men? So I think it is on ESPN Plus, Steve. I'll check right now. Quick update. Five minutes to go in the first quarter. Miners up 9-3 to over Western New Mexico. Excellent. All right. So we've got that for you as well here on the program today. Excited about that, but let's go to Charlie, get our first traffic update of the afternoon, and then we will come back with uh, plenty more in store for you right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. 09, our telephone number. The women are in action right now. That one's going on at the Haskins Center. It's also on ESPN+. Plus, and the men will be on ESPN+, Plus later tonight as well. Meanwhile, Cowboys-Eagles, what a story that is over the course of the uh, day yesterday. So interesting. You know, Adrian, we were arguing with Foss on a text thread, which I'm sure we'll get to on Friday's show, where Foss really put the blame yesterday on Dak. And I'm not sure how you can look at that loss and say that's on number four. There were so many other reasons in my mind that led to the Dallas Cowboys losing from the defense uh, allowing the Eagles to score those two touchdowns in the third quarter to uh, a couple of other key plays that happened. Did he step out uh, barely on his way into the end zone for the two-point conversion? Yes, he did. Did he throw the ball short of the end zone to C.D. Lamb at the end of the game? Yes, he did. But you know what? You When you run a pattern like Lamb did, you're going to get in the end zone. You can't put yourself at the five-yard line because he delivered the ball where he needed to, and unfortunately, Lamb was short of the end zone. I've always thought that if it's your number one receiver, this is not Travis Kelsey we're talking about. CeeDee Lamb. He's not going to catch the ball and muscle in five yards to get the score. So that right there, um, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things um, really caused that game to go downhill for the Cowboys. I just didn't think that that game should have been on, on uh, Dak Prescott. So initially I thought, I, I'm agreeing with you. I was like, no one should blame Dak. No one should blame, I was thinking even no one should blame CD. I, I just kind of thought it was more of a product of the Cowboys playing on the road against an 8-1 and one team in the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. But the more I, th- I think about it, Steve, I just want Dak in a key moment, in a key game against a better opponent, at least on paper, to come through in the clutch. And maybe he has in the past, but I just feel like these losses in late game situations are starting to pop pile up like everybody can if you just think if you close your eyes and you just think about that face that Dak Prescott makes when everything is chaotic that's the face that I don't want my starting quarterback to be making he just seems sometimes like he he's not all over the place but he just doesn't have the control the way Jalen Hurts does I, I felt like even Jalen Hurts didn't have to do a lot but he no, still he outperformed uh, Dak Prescott based on his poise and the fact that he's able to go in his bag at times even when they're playing conservative and just running the ball and trying to run out the clock he can get in his bag and throw a really nice pass to guys like A.J. Brown yeah, he can, and, and look, he has, he has Brown, he's got uh, Goddard, he's got Smith, although Dallas Goddard could be out for a while now with that injury yesterday. We heard about that. But, I mean, the problem right now is also this for the Cowboys, okay? You've got C.D. Lamb if you're Dak Prescott, but who else do you really have? I mean, uh, Jake Ferguson caught seven passes for 91 yards and a touchdown. That was a nice surprise. But Jalen Tolbert had three receptions. Michael Gallup had two. Brandon Cooks had one. I mean, you think about it, CeeDee Lamb 
had 11 receptions on 16 targets, and Ferguson had seven receptions on 10 targets. The next best Cowboy receiver, five targets, and that's Tolbert and Tony Pollard. So with all the weapons that the Cowboys are supposed to have, I mean, you know, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard is a terrific one-two-three punch. Outside of Lamb, who really is the, is the one-two punch for the Cowboys? Yeah, great point. I mean, Brandy Cooks hasn't emerged, and that's the reason they made the trade to begin with, to acquire him over the offseason. They wanted Brandon Cooks to really be that wide receiver one because CeeDee Lamb, at the end of the day, we scrap everything. He's a slot receiver. He's probably the best slot receiver you're going to find in football, and that's his true position, but he's playing like a WR1, and that's because guys like Brandon Cooks have not come along, or Michael Gallup hasn't been as consistent or productive as others. So C. CD can be CD, but if you don't have other guys emerge, then that's going to really uh, be tough and difficult for that Dallas offense. Uh, yes, it will. It really will. All right, 27 passed as we continue. That's just one of many, many NFL games I want to talk about from over the weekend. Watched a lot of football yesterday, as you might imagine. And I know we've got Chargers-Jets coming up in a couple of hours, but between that Chiefs-Dolphins game early in the morning, that ridiculous Vikings comeback win thanks to Josh Dobbs over the Falcons, and then the reemergence of Aaron Jones for the Packers beating the Rams. And you look at the other big games. Ravens looked awesome. Texans, and what a game for C.J. Stroud. 470 and five touchdowns for a rookie. The reemergence of the Raiders yesterday beating up on the Giants and the Bills commanding win over the uh, the uh, losing I should say to the Bengals Buffalo is now 5 and 4 can you believe that the Buffalo Bills 5 and 4 a lot of great NFL stories to talk about let's go to the phones right now and begin with Len in Las Cruces he's going to be first up today Len how are you Hi Steve how you doing On this situation, as you know, Marv Levy and I kind of grew up together in the same neighborhood. He's a lot older than me, but he was my high school coach. Uh, Marv told me that being a head coach now is more of a younger man's business. He doesn't think anybody really over 50 should be doing it. And Joe Tiller felt the exact same way. So I think we need a younger head coach. Uh, Speaking Tart Blaro from Texas Tech, you need older coaches, at least two on the staff, two position coaches, who have the contacts now to get great transfer portal players. Now, Saturday, I saw nothing wrong with UTEP's coaching ability. The DBs were doing a great job, and I felt that they were well coached from what I have learned. Um, but I agree. I think Yates might be catching up with Dana. I mean, he's a great guy, but... They're going to have to do a new structure. I mean, uh, when I was helping Julie Dunn, I went in one morning at 6 o'clock, and he was sleeping on the desk looking at tapes of the next offense he was, they were going to play. And, I mean, he just couldn't even take it at 47. So um, we have to, it's a younger game now. You have all these defensive playbooks out there on computers. You need kids who can actually work 20 hours a day. That's it. So I was wondering what you thought about that. Well, I mean, here's my issue, okay? We talk about the plays and the play calling. I still think that when you've got a situation like uh, the Miners had when they were up 3 nothing, and they take the ball all the way down to the Western Kentucky, um, I, I guess it was the, what was it, uh, 
they, they got it to the three-yard line, okay, and ultimately turned it over on downs. Um, that's, you know, that's the issue I've got more than anything else is just, you know, UTEP cannot be in a spot like that and, you know, run, 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 and, and it just didn't work. And I don't know, Adrian, we talk about it all the time, that they had two, game, two situations Saturday where they turned it over on downs. And in the other situation, they got to the 34. Now, Buzz Flaviano has been a lot better as of late than he was to start the season. And when you've got a 51-yard field goal, hey, and, and you've got a lead, I wouldn't mind trotting Flaviano out and see if he can, if he can hit that field goal for you. No, I, I wouldn't mind that either. But uh, my issue is, so you brought up that one, and I, I think that's a great uh, example, Steve. The one where they drive it all the way, it's four straight runs because you know they go for it on that fourth down, yeah. and they still don't get that touchdown, which is just uh, ridiculous, and it's really frustrating. I really hated the final field goal, the Buzz Flaviano field goal, the sad field goal, I should say, that allowed UTEP to cover. If you're a, a gambler out there and you had Western Kentucky, you'd probably uh, be hating. Dana Dimmel as well because they ended up backdoor covering in the end um, but my issue was uh, the first drive in the third quarter UTEP drives all the way to the Western Kentucky 34 yard line and this yep. is taking players aside they don't have a play on fourth and six which is fine I mean I don't expect UTEP to go for it every time in opponent's territory when they're facing a fourth down play my issue is calling that timeout the one that you just talked about Steve I have an issue with them calling a timeout out there on fourth and six and then deciding to go for it when it's all said and done when they trotted out their punt team out there yeah so western kentucky in that huddle they probably adjusted they were ready to go they were ready to stop that play right there and that's why it was failed from the start western kentucky gets it two plays later 64 yard rushing touchdown and the rest is history western kentucky wins this game it's a good point good point len appreciate it thanks for the call We'll keep things moving right after uh, Adrian, who's back and has this Sports Center update for us. 32 past as we continue live out here at Border City L House. Things moving here. 34 past the hour. By the way, the uh, Dana Dimmel story I wrote is updated now with the contract extension that was assigned back in 2021. So if you uh, go to the story and you see the uh, two-year contract extension in the article, the word contract is now in red. If you click that, it will take you to link to the, uh, the full uh, contract extension that he signed back uh, two years ago. So that update has been made on the article. Excited about that, too, for people that have always wanted to see it. Now you can. It's there for you at 600ESPNElPaso.com. And while you're there, Adrian has a UTEP men's basketball preview. Zay's got a women's basketball preview. The women are going on right now. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Augustine is joining us next, 35 past the hour as we continue. Augustine, what's up? Hey, Steve. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Adrian and everybody. Um, Two, two things, and I'll listen to your comments uh, because I know you probably have people calling like crazy. On um, the Dana Dimmel and, and his comment that he played a tough, really tough schedule, you know, if I had an ounce of respect for the man before, I really don't have any respect for him now because he tried to justify the way the team is playing with and, and, and the way he, he's coaching, which he did not play a tough schedule. We all knew, he knew the 121st, something like that, you know, easiest schedule 
in 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 college football. So so you know this this thing about him saying it's a tough schedule really it really I think it really made a lot of people mad. And uh, and, and, and on the Dak Prescott thing, you know, I was watching the game and. It seemed to me that, and, and, and maybe Adrian can look at can look at some of the play calling. Why why on that crucial play he went to his third pick receiver instead of trying to go to Ceedee Lamb, which was running some kind of weird route? Um, I think at the end of the day, Zach, you know, uh, you know, a lot of Cowboy fans might hate me for this, but. He might be a good quarterback in a really bad play calling system because, uh, yeah, he he kind of you know screwed up at the end, but uh, offensive line didn't at those crucial plays also didn't didn't let him throw the ball and uh, and, and the receivers didn't catch the ball and, and, and all kinds of mistakes. So just not not just on back, but yeah, he he his foot was outside, but you know it's it's just. Some of the play calling on Dallas' side was so abhorrent. Even like Dana Dimmel was there play calling for Dallas Cowboys. Well, that doesn't. That's Mike McCarthy. There's your other. There's the other problem because McCarthy has total control over the uh, plays this year on the offensive side. So really, there's no excuse now because you know if something doesn't work, it's all going to be on uh, on McCarthy. Yeah, no, uh, no doubt, and and and, and just. It's it's just frustrating that that a team like Dallas, which let's let's be realistic, a team like Dallas should be doing okay in the NFL because sure. unfortunately it's America's team and people like to see them either lose lose or win. But at the same time, you don't want the blame to go where where it isn't. And 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 I think this game it wasn't Dak's fault. It was just a, a comedy of errors all around for that offense. And, uh, and and that that's my take on that, Steve. And, and I'll listen to you more on on the app. All right, sounds good. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, again, McCarthy. That's the one thing I'll say is that if the Cowboys do not do well this year, saying I'm I'm going to run the show on the offensive side. So if things don't go well offensively, it starts and ends with Mike McCarthy, and then the Cowboys could be looking for a new head coach next season, Adrian. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point as well. And I think that patience is running thin in Dallas with not being in that contention area because we all know they're a playoff team. That's the team that they've uh, shown us. They can beat all the bad teams out there. But when it comes to the contenders like Philly, like the 49ers, that's where they're not winning games. And I feel like Jerry Jones, he's shown that he has Mike McCarthy's back. Uh, he's shown that he has Dak Prescott's back. But if those guys aren't producing, and being those contenders that he is paying them to be, then he's going to find replacements for them, whether it's Trey Lance, whether they draft a quarterback, go somewhere else, they go and find a different head coach. They will find a, a way to, to make some kind of a change, but then it's back to square one for Cowboy fans, and I think that's what frustrates them the most, knowing that they have to kind of be in this endless cycle of being just, uh, just good, not good enough, though. Yep. Now you're right. Hey, you want to get in, folks, uh, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter or X. We'll get you right through to the show. we got a lot of good comments coming in. Keep those rolling. 505-6009, our telephone number as we hang out with you live at the Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Jets, Chargers. It's coming up tonight, and so is UTEP men's basketball. The minor men getting ready to uh, 
battling out in their season opener. Excited about that. McMurray, their opponents, will have our coverage starting at 6.30 for you with John Teicher, Steve Yellen, courtside at the Askin Center, right here, 600 ESPN, El Paso. 48 past the hour as we continue live from Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Before we get back to the calls, Colin Deaver just posted this on uh, Twitter or X, and that is uh, that more former NMSU players and managers have filed a lawsuit against Deshondre Washington, Dr. Bradley, Kim Aiken Jr., NMSU, Greg Heyer, Dominique Taylor, and A.D. Mario Mocha. It is Kyle Fight and a former player as well as a former manager who did not want to be identified. So in the complaint that was filed, uh, this was filed today at 12.48 p.m., it just says Kyle Fight, John Doe 1, John Doe 2. Those are the plaintiffs. And they are going after the Board of Regents of New Mexico State University, Mario Mocha, Greg Heyer, Dominique Taylor, Kim Aiken Jr., Dr. Bradley, and DeShondre Washington. And I uh, don't think for a minute, Adrian, that after what uh, happened with the settlement uh, with the, you know, the, last, uh, the last suit against NMSU, I'm sure that, uh, well, uh, you know, Kyle Fight, who we don't know his extent. All we know is he left the program before everybody else did once that whole situation started crumbling, and now uh, he's getting into the act as well. We don't know if this is going to be criminal or civil or if that's going to be up to the uh, district uh, attorney's office. Correct. I, I would say this, that uh, this has been something that I, I said previously, it, it hasn't gone away. It won't seem to be going away anytime soon. And these are some uh, real accusations coming in right here. So I'm, I'm curious to hear how the rest of the lawsuit looks and if any new details come up from this one. I'm with you. I am with you. All right, let's get back to the phones right now as Sports Talk continues. 505-6009. Let's go first to Carol, and uh, then we'll get to Cruz. Carol, how are you? Oh, I'm hanging in there, getting excited about the ladies' basketball. Yep, they're actually playing right now. And, uh, Adrian, do we have an update on the uh, UTEP women as we speak? Yes, we do, Steve. Right now, UTEP is currently winning by 10. Two minutes left in the first half, 27-17 right now for the Miners. Uh, they're leading the way right now over Western New Mexico. Excellent. So there you go, Carol. I was telling Adrian, I don't understand some of the things that Dimmel says. According to the morning paper, he said, well, I thought about passing, but I didn't want to outsmart myself. Now, what the heck does that mean? I wish I had an answer. I don't know. I don't understand. I guess... I guess he, uh, you know, listen, one of the things I've heard about uh, when Coach calls plays is they, are, they, they, they sometimes come in late. There's a lot of, I don't want to say second-guessing, but they, they really they, they think a lot into the play calling, and maybe he was worried that he was going to overthink it. I don't know. But, again, that is, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that almost sounds like it's, uh, it's, it's something out of Yogi Berra. Yes, it does. You know, they were down there within five yards of, like, five different times and never tried to attempt to pass. I don't understand that either. One over the middle might have worked. Yep, 
Yep, especially when you see Cade uh, at times throw a 60-yard pass to Kelly Akari, and you realize if you gave him a little time and gave him the opportunities to throw the ball, you know, good things can happen. Exactly. Well, I'm just so disappointed. Anyway, you guys have a good night. Let's go, Miners. Appreciate you, Carol. Thanks for the call. Hang in there. Cruz is next. He's going to join us at uh, 52 past the hour. How you doing, Cruz? I'm doing okay, but Hey, um... I just wanted to, to, to reiterate, reiterate something I said before, but Dana Dibble just kept Dimble, excuse me, just kept lowering his standards as they kept losing. You know, you can't be doing that. You, you've got to reinforce your your winning ways, your your winning philosophy, your winning what you're teaching. You got to teach him. You know, he's a teacher. He has to teach him. You don't lower your standards. You, you, you got to call these guys into your office. It's an offensive lineman, the head coach and the offensive coach. Sit down and talk with them. Don't you don't uh, single anybody out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you you just gotta keep reinforcing what your winning philosophy, you know. And and yeah. I I heard him that he said they had a very difficult uh, schedule. You know, it's probably about the same for everybody else in the league and and and. and uh, I just hated to see to hear him say a lot of things which he did say, and then with the Cowboys, you know, like Dak Prescott. When I was, I used to coach, and I I was very uh, heavy. I stressed the fundamentals and mental mistakes a lot. Dak Prescott should have been paying more attention to where he was. He should not have stepped out, you know. And then at the end of the game, all these mental mistakes, uh, people moving before the ball is hiked, and all that, all that stuff, the stuff that I used to stress so heavily to, to, to my kids. They, they're all my kids, you know, and, you know, they keep you feeling young, and it's a lot a lot of fun coaching them. And, and then you, you just teach them. you, you got to teach them. you got to reinforce this. And for a lot of them, this will stay with them the rest of their lives, especially if they keep playing, you know. And, and uh, that just – I see this happen so much, like with the Cowboys in, in Philadelphia, all those uh, penalties towards the end of the game, you know. Sure. Uh, it just almost kills me, you know, just to watch all of that. Well, listen, I appreciate the call. I know you're frustrated. A lot of fans are. Um, you know, it, and it's 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 definitely reached to that boiling point. And I guess the good news is, is that uh, I, I think uh, some kind of resolution is is not far away. I, I I don't know when. I don't have any insight to that, and I don't know how it's going to come around. But I do believe that uh, something will happen. I, I I really do. All right. We'll come back, hour number two. Uh, as Sports Talk continues, we are live. Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. We're about 90 minutes away from John Teicher and Steve Yellen joining us courtside for the Miners uh, and McMurray, the season opener for the UTEP men. The women playing right now, and more in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Welcome back, everybody. Start of hour number two. Here on Sports Talk, we are live, Border City Alehouse, as uh, we continue what's going to be a pretty lively uh, hour and 30 minutes with you, giving away some great prizes here at halftime for the New York Jets hosting the L.A. Chargers. You want to uh, watch it with us? We'd love to have you out here tonight and enjoy pint night. Enjoy also not just uh, pints on sale, but $3 Modelo. We're even going to be giving away a Modelo football jersey as part of our package. Very cool. 
Number 25. I like this jersey. It's the Modelo colors. And uh, perfect jersey to wear if you are that football fan. It is a size extra large. Add that to all of our prizes. You can register to win here at the half. we got a ton of other prizes to give out as well. Busy first hour. We've talked Cowboys. We've talked UTEP. New Mexico State breaking news. Colin Deaver, another uh, lawsuit has been filed from the hazing charges that broke last February. Adrian, I'll be interested to see what kind of traction this gets, especially on a basketball team that's starting. How interesting. It's The, the uh, suit was filed hours before the Aggies begin the Jason Hooten era against Kentucky tonight. Timing is everything, right, Steve? And uh, this is probably one of those other instances that opens up another can of worms. And we talked about this before. Some of those players who were accused here in this lawsuit, or those, I should say, defendants in this case, if you wanted to use legal terms in this case, are getting ready to play another season of college basketball right now or are getting ready to coach another season of college basketball right now. I'm talking talking about uh, guys like Dr. Bradley, who yep. is on a basketball team right now out at McNichols, I believe. And then you also talk about Greg Heyer, who is about to coach at the junior college level here uh, soon enough. How wild also that, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, that's just it's one of those topics that will just continue to, uh, you know, stay in the news. It's, it's not going to go away, even though the Aggies are back to back bull bound. The basketball program is uh, having a complete rebuild. But yet that story is just something that will continue to keep surfacing um, as more players decide they want to join the, uh, the suit and, and, and get paid, just like we saw uh, you know, here uh, a few weeks back. All right, we'll get to the phones right now. we got two calls to go. we got one line open, 505-6009, live at Border City L House. Come on down and join us as we get ready for the Chargers and the Jets. Let's go to Luis. He is first up this afternoon. Luis. Thanks for the call. Leading us off here in hour number two. How are you? Oh, 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 shalom, my friend. I want to swing by and drink, have some tequila patron, some Ooh. shots with you. There you go. That sounds like a fun night, Luis. <laughs> cool, man. You know, I love you, man. When was the last time that I, I saw you? About 20 or 30 years ago? It's been a few. It's been a few years. That's for sure. That's for sure. But no, it sounds like you're doing great, and that's all that matters. Bravo, bravo. Well, you know, we we I enjoy we the family. We enjoyed the game last night. You know, it was an exciting game. But you know, let me tell you guys, the preponderance of, of questionable penalties, plus the porosity of the Dallas defense in the red zone and on fourth downs. And why, you know, several Cowboy stars seemed uh, to disappear, as all, uh, usually happens, you know. Uh, completely in the massive game with uh, huge uh, implications. Dak Prescott played a good game. S- uh, same as C.D. Lamb. He, he's tremendous. 191 yards. Like this, this kid, the tight end, uh, Jake Ferguson, 91 yep. receiving yards. And Prescott, 374 passing yards. Three touchdowns. And hey, hallelujah, no interceptions. Man, they, Dallas have gained the Eagles 
416 yards to 292, and they converted 40% of his third down tries and 60% of his fourth down efforts. Now, the thing is, guys, I want to ask you, how do you evaluate or what grade do you give uh, head coach McCarthy on his play calling? I mean, they lost the game. So you got to, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I give it maybe a uh, – against, against a good Eagles team, the way that game ended and the way they, they, you know, they kept fighting back, even though the Eagles tried to give them the game. I don't know. I give them about a – I give them a B. What about you, Adrian? What do you give McCarthy? Yeah, I would probably say a B right now. Good, not great. They're not going to beat yep. all the elite teams out there, but still going to be a playoff team. It's a bad NFC right now. You want to talk about Tyson Bajant leading the Chicago Bears to a playoff appearance? No, that's not going to happen. Cowboys are still a playoff team. Cool, man. And Orly, I hope to see you down there with where Steve is so we can have some tequila. But here's the number one Cowboy follower since 1961. Win or lose, baby, but I'm always present. Hey, we love you. Shalom, guys. Shalom, Luis. And wouldn't you know it, Orly is on the line following up Luis after that personal shout-out. That doesn't happen very often. Orly, uh, pretty good act to follow right there. How are you? <laughs> You're doing good. First of all, Luis, all the numbers. Oh, bottom line, you lost the game. Dimmel had three times more rushing yards in the first half at three points. Dimmel and McCarthy are two of a kind. Can't yep. call a good game. Uh, going back to the UTEP situation, I was telling uh, Adrian over the weekend, I ran to a lot of people that I know that are UTEP fans. Guess where they were headed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? They're going to Las Cruces to watch New Mexico State. Really? When do, when do you ever see that? Never. Never. They, I, I was shocked. They felt they have a product. They like their coaching. They like their style. And they're huh. winning. You know, I'm, I that really disturbing when I heard that. And that's a lot of people that I know that are going to the New Mexico State game. They felt it's a better product. Um, bottom line, I don't understand what he says. It's a tough schedule. It's a watered-down Conference USA. The, the good schools left. You are the oldest, oldest remaining university in this conference. How does it have a tough schedule? I, just, I, I, um, I don't know. I hope the next coach, you know, here's another thing. We've always said you can't recruit to this area. It's hard to recruit. I was one of those. Obviously, the coach in New Mexico State can do it. They're seven and three. They're gonna. I mean, they've turned it around in two years. Now listen. I hope the I hope the next coach, if we have, which I, I guarantee you, he's got to make a change. There's good. I know a lot of season ticket holders that are not happy. I'm one of them. Um, I would like to see them get a young, aggressive coach. Either get do what Texas State did, and what when I got the coaching staff and incarnate word, and look what they've done in one year. Uh, the Carter Awards went top five again. Maybe go look at that coaching staff. They're recruiting San Antonio area, obviously. Um, I just, I want, I don't want another retread. I like to get somebody offensive minded. Let me tell you, watching this offense for UTEP over the last six years, 
like watching paint dry. It's boring. People want an open offense. That's why I think a lot of people are going to Las Cruces, because they do have an open-type offense. Um, I do not want another UTEP X, a.k.a. Robert from uh, Arizona State. Well, he's now with the Cardinals. He's now with Arizona State. He's now coaching the Arizona Cardinals. Well, he's a defensive coordinator. We need an offensive-minded coach that's going to open up. I I can remember when Trice took over and Gary Knorr had a tough year. That following year, Trice took his players, and all I had to do was coach them the right way, and look what they did. I think UTEP has great ball players. I just don't think they're being coached right. I think you have a quarterback that don't let them throw the ball. They don't use the tight ends. No screen plays. No area inside the five three times in the red zone. You come away with three points. Really? I know. I know. That's frustrating. That's yep. frustrating. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Um, you know, Niners have their issues, by the way, right now. We, but we talked about that last week before, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we discussed uh, San Francisco. By the way, the NFC is kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, the Eagles are the best team in the league, in the, in the conference. But they were in, they've been in some close battles. I still think San Fran's going to be able to turn it around. I just don't know when. And then, you know, you look at the rest of the way that conference is shaping up. I don't know who else is going to win. Like, I mean, it's 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 completely up for grabs right now. Yeah, that's why I felt like the Vikings trade for Josh Dobbs is actually smart, Steve, because yeah. uh, this league or this uh, conference is so uh, bad right now. You could find your way into the playoffs maybe at 9-8. and eight. The NFC South is a mess. The NFC North is becoming a mess despite the Lions having success early on in the season. Uh, but I don't feel good about anybody in the NFC, even the Eagles, even the uh, 49ers when it's all said and done. Esteban has a great point. He says uh, for the Cowboys, Steve, why is it that when the Cowboys are winning, they constantly pan the camera on Jerry Jones, but when they're losing, they don't at all? Takes all the joy out of the game. Hey, Esteban's right. Why do we ever see Jerry when the team starts to stink or lose? Yeah, like uh, even throw his arms up or something like that or just kind of sit in his chair, uh, dumbfounded, something like that. I feel like we should. We should have more of a Jerry cam. In fact, like we have for the ESPN2 alternate feed of the Peyton and Eli Manning cam, can we have a live cam on Jerry at all times so he could see his reaction in games? That would be great. Augustine, who called in a moment ago, goes, McCarthy gets a B? Holy Cheetos. All right. I guess he uh, he didn't like that. He thought he thought that McCarthy should have a D as a play caller. So I don't know. Does the play calling really seem that much different to you this year than it has the last couple years? Well, they haven't run the ball effectively this year, so I put yeah. that on mostly the running game and not having yep. uh, a secondary back to balance things out with Tony Pollard and him Good also point. dealing with injuries. So if you had more yep. of a stable running approach, I think YYS sent that to us as well. I think you they would be better served right now. I'm with you. Let's go to Fernie, then we'll take a break. 505-6009, live out here at Border City L House. How you doing, Fernie? Hey, man, this game of football is just killing me, Steve. This whole weekend was, you know, UTEP, and then next day the Cowboys. Oh, man, it's just, it's just, it's just too much to take, man. You know? Who do you think, now, just out of curiosity, Fernie, okay, you just mentioned something very interesting. First UTEP, then the Cowboys. Of those two games, which of the games did you really believe 
that the team you root for was going to win? Um, <laughs> none of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you know what? Well, going into the the UTEP game with Western Kentucky, and then seeing how their quarterback had been doing, and then we were, you know, we were underdogs. And I, I know, I know, the team, man. I mean, I'm there. I I know the way they play. Yep. Obviously, I, I felt they weren't gonna they weren't gonna win. Makes you know, sense. And, Makes sense. And so, but and then Dallas, you know, I I, I thought. You know, I just said it's just too much. I thought Dak was going to pull a Dak and choke, which I'm not. You know what? On this one, I'm not. I'm not blaming Dak. You know what? I think he played a, a, a pretty good game, and yeah. I think it's just on another. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not going to put any blame on Dak. It's more on uh, maybe Terry Steele or something not protecting him. I mean, there's so many other things, but I mean, it could have gone either way between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles had enough problems themselves. I, I think the teams are pretty evenly matched, and I think Dallas will beat them in in, uh, in November, I mean December. But I mean, just getting back to the Utah thing, uh, I mean, it's just so frustrating, Steve. It's just year after year, and I'm I'm there, and then just seeing this vanilla offense. Just, I mean, it's there's no creativity with that offense, you know, or it's just uh, I don't know. And then I mean, I, I think he's done. Obviously, because I was kind of being fair, telling him, you know, I'll be season ticket holders or friends and stuff for the game. He said, hey, I go, if you want five games, I think I would have, I would have said to, to keep them, you know, demo, but we can't even get there. You know, that's the, the most frustrating thing. Is, I mean, I'm over here happy that we win five games. I know. I know. You know and, 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 but, but at the same time, when you see what they're doing at NMSU, and got to understand, I mean, they brought Jerry Kill in thinking that it would take a couple years. And he won seven last year, and he's already got seven this year. Like, they they, they were terrible so with with when uh, when they had Doug as head coach. I mean, but that program was, was awful. Players are similar, you know, talent between UTEP and NMSU always has been. Yeah. You know, kind of. And they, they kind of repeat some of the same players here and there. And... I think if you look at Jerry Kill's resume, man, I mean, that's that the key. Guy's a winner. That's the key. He's won everywhere he's been. You're right. You 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 nailed it. He has been a winner everywhere he's been, and he specializes in these kind of jobs, taking over small programs that haven't won and turning them around. And that's exactly what he did, and he did it quick. Like there was no, there really was no rebuild. It was like an instant turnaround. His rebuild lasted like the first four games of last season, and then once he settled on a quarterback and they started winning games, that was it. Reason, you know, that uh, Mexico State has him is, is you know, because of his health reason, and they're yeah. they're not pushing him hard. They don't expect a lot out of him, so he's in a perfect situation. I mean, he's still you know suffering some health repercussions and stuff and NMSU is okay with that yep. you know so you're right a really good coach and if, if it's not for his health you know he he's yet you know a big 10 or, or you know still in the big 10 he'd still be up there but you know he's not and I mean if he can do it you know there's no reason somebody can't come into UTEP and just, just get these guys because you know that second half on Saturday they just I mean, they, it just looked like there was no pep in the in the team, and it, it just and they looked like they were just zombies, man. No, I hear you, and I agree. I do. 
I appreciate the call. It's good. Uh, hey, he brings us some really interesting points. But, Adrian, we've talked about it over and over again. I mean, you know, I mean, they they got Jerry Kill at the perfect time. Like when UTEP got Mike Price in 2004, they got him at the perfect time. And the only difference is is that, you know, Mike had two great years and could never sustain it. Jerry's the kind of guy that, based on his resume and what he's done at programs like this throughout his career, he might be a perennial 8-10 to 10 game winner every single season in Cruces. No, no doubt about it. I agree with that. I would also say the only thing I didn't agree about what Fernie just said, and I was talking about it here with Sal Montes, um, the pro- the uh, point he brought up about the talent uh, gap between both teams. I actually give the talent advantage to UTEP over the past yeah. at least five yeah. years. They've had better talent than New Mexico State. New Mexico State just uses that talent uh, you know, better on their side of things, at least in football, and they're having quicker success right now versus UTEP. I mean, look at how many veterans are on the minors, and look at how few seniors are on this Aggie squad right now. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. You're right. Um, I, no one's ever really complained. We've always thought UTEP has the talent. The key is, uh, can you coach and develop it? You know, that's that's the issue. All right, 20 past as we uh, get rolling here on Sports Talk, 505-6009, our telephone number. More in a moment, but first, right back out to Charlie One. Let's get ourselves another traffic update. Surprises at the half as well. Excited about that. Before I get to Patrick, who's waiting on the lines, Adrian, I want to say this about the talent uh, at, at UTEP for football, okay? I remember a time when UTEP was smaller than everybody else and when they lined up against the big teams once or twice a year when they played those Power 5 games, it looked like a JV team versus the varsity. It just did. Like, the minors clearly did uh, – they lacked size and uh, everything about you know, all across the board. Now, when you watch them go up against teams like Northwestern and, you know, Arizona, they're, they're, they're the same size as everybody else. And we've said it, that physically we think this basketball team, this football team passes the eye test. They do. And it's just a shame that the team has not been able to get more out of the talent that they do have. Because I've heard people tell me this is not a talented group. They don't have athletes. They don't have this. And I'm like, you're wrong. They do. They just have not been able to really tap into the potential and get what they should be getting out of so many of these players. Right. And it's not like they aren't winning games. Like, you reflect back to 2017, 2018, even uh, some parts of the 2019 season. I could make an argument those years, those three seasons, that UTEP was uh, factually a bottom five team in all of football like they just did not belong on the field with some of those other opponents just like you're mentioning you would go out to the Sun Bowl you'd look at the other opponent and you just think based on eye test in warm-ups the other team is going to win alone and then of course it happens in the actual game but my point is nowadays what you're seeing is yeah UTEP is on a better talent level but they're not taking that next move like they're winning games they're not the worst team in the country but they're not a good team they're just kind of stuck in this subpar uh, par, you know, portion where they can, yes, beat the bad teams, but they cannot beat anybody who is a contender, anybody who has a winning record, and that's the next jump I, I don't feel like this coaching staff has been able to take over six years. No, you're right. 
Let's go to Patrick. He's next up. He's going to join us. Talk a little UTEP here as 27 past the hour. The women are up 45-28 right now on Western New Mexico with under four minutes left to go in the third quarter. So we've got that game on here. We'll keep updating that for you as well. Patrick, thanks for getting in. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you all doing? Doing fine, thanks. Appreciate it, Patrick. Hey, just a couple comments. Um, I'd like to make uh, my own comment, but then, I'll, but before that, I'll piggyback off of your what uh, the comment you just made. I think the strength and conditioning coach you brought him from Kansas State, and uh, I think he's done a great job with the team in reference to how physical we are, and like you, like passing the eye test. I think that's a testament to to that guy. And what's what's unfortunate, you know, if if, if a move is made, that guy he's he's going to be gone. You know, I I think Bradley uh, Del Pivotal, I think I think he he's done a good job. I won't say a great job, a good job, and he brings a lot of experience. He's going to be gone by the wayside. So which leads me to and. If we're looking at the formula for New Mexico State, and I'll 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 try to keep it about three things. You got to have if if you have a mobile quarterback, and I've said this before. I told the the fellas there a couple of weeks ago on the late night. I call them sometimes on the late night after the yeah. games. Yeah. If you have a mobile quarterback, that that guy can make up for bad play calls. He, he, he can, he can make an offensive coordinator look good. You gotta have a mobile quarterback and, and, and the college level, you have the opportunity to recruit that. And the second thing is, you gotta have toughness at that, well, toughness is gravy at that position. And that's that kid at New Mexico State. He's mobile and he's tough. He's a leader. And then the third thing you gotta have, you gotta have discipline. They, you know, for, you know, coaches say, well, it's up to the players. No, those players, they play for the coach. They do. I promise you they do. And, or if they don't, if you have a disciplinarian like Jerry Kill, Jerry, Jerry Kill is very demanding. Yeah, he is. He's a disciplinarian. He, he, yep. he doesn't, he doesn't tolerate uh, substandard performance. No, and he's and, about as intense as a guy as you're ever going to see when you watch him on the sidelines. And so those, I think those three things that is what you got to, I think that's a simple recipe to help your program along. And, and, uh, I just think, I think Demo has done a great job recruiting JC talent. Yep. He's, he's done a great job and they, I just don't see that fire. I just don't – I don't think he's that type of a coach. And to me, if you're that type of a coach, you got to hire people that will bring it out of your kids if you're that type of coach. If you're not going to bring it out of them, you got to hire people that are going to do that. And I just – I just don't see it. I don't I don't see that fire, man. Like, Like – Steve, I took it personal. Like I got friends from New Mexico, and I and I took it personal. You know they, and they, you know they were chiming in about the game when when we played state and all that. 
about this and that. And I took it. I took that personal. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I hear you. Patrick, I appreciate the call. I think a lot of fans take it personal. And it's almost like, Adrian, you just want to see the head coach. I'm not saying we need Dana Dimble to snap in front of the media and just loses his lose everything. But I guess you just want to see sometimes the coach have that have that same like display, the same fire that that Patrick's talking about. Right, because actually, if you watch uh, Dana Demo on the sidelines during games, he is animated. He is yeah. chomping at refs, and he is uh, advocating for his own team, uh, pleading for calls to go his way or whatever it is, uh, call you know challenges to go his way, whatever it is. But the point is, uh, I think the fans get upset with the lack of accountability, and uh, you know you hear the excuses, and the excuses have been the same or been there since really day one or season one, and that's the unfortunate part of all. Of this is that yeah. uh, they continue to hear those kinds of things, and they want to hear other things. Other and reasons. I think, and I think some fans would love to see the fire that Dana has on the sidelines after games too. I feel like they would like to see that. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Just something different than what's been happening right now. All right, we'll come right back to it more in a moment. We'll update you on the UTEP Western New Mexico game late in the third, and then more phone calls, 505-6009, our telephone number. But let's get right back to Adrian. He's standing by with his Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, as we keep things moving, at 600 ESPN El Paso, uh, you can hit us up on social at 600 ESPN El Paso. Orange UTEP Vader guy. I hope our minor basketball and women's basketball teams do much better than our football team. Minor Nation is hungry for wins. Let's let's just take that last part, Adrian. Minor Nation is hungry for wins. I, I feel that that's right. Like the, These UTEP fans, they're not asking for the world. They just want to see a successful team win games and have a chance to compete for a league championship. That seems to be a reasonable ask when you talk about the goal of playing in a nine-team league, which is what Conference USA has turned into. Right, and I feel like for the men's basketball side of things, they've got a tough non-conference schedule, and minor fans will just roll their eyes when they hear about teams like Loyola Marymount or UC Santa Barbara without doing any homework on those mid-major programs when you realize they're all one top 150 teams by Ken Palm and they're actually pretty good squads, then you'll have a little bit more appreciation for the non-conference schedule uh, that this team has put together. I'm not saying that they are a super, it's a super hard non-conference, but it's at least a test that'll get them ready for this new nine-team conference USA, which by the way, Miners right now, they look ahead of this one. They, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's uh, outright winnable, but knowing that the Miners have continuity back on their roster, knowing that they have the right bag of newcomers and they've got a coach that a lot of minor fans uh, think that he knows what he's doing in Joe Golding. Maybe they have a chance. They're projected to finish fifth overall by the Conference USA preseason predictions. Uh, Liberty is the bell cow of this conference right now, and then it's everybody else. So why can't they be in that conversation to try to contend uh, in this league? Well, I feel like they can be. And the question is, is that, uh, you know, how will it all shake out when it's uh, all said and done for basketball? Look, I said it earlier, and I was arguing this with my – I was arguing this – you're going to laugh – 
with my 11-year-old son and 12-year-old uh, nephews uh, yesterday. I was driving them uh, to, uh, to Sunday school, and I said, all right, guys, what is a successful season for UTEP basketball? And um, the one that is a UTEP diehard, Benny, said 20 wins. And I think my son said like 17 or 18. And I said, what about postseason? And they said, no, nah, just – you know, win 20 games. And I thought it was so interesting. Like, to them, to kids growing up, and they don't know any better. They weren't alive the last time UTEP was really good in basketball. So to them, just, just you know, 18 to 20 wins would be a successful season. And I told them, nah, you got to go to the postseason. You got to go to the NCAA or NIT. And then they started arguing with me about the buy-in tournaments. And they go, no, any tournament you buy into is not a success. You're just, you're paying to go. You want a tournament you can get in without paying for. But to me, it was just so interesting that they didn't believe NCAA or NIT necessarily warrants a successful season in basketball the way I do. And when I told them they've only been to the NCAA tournament three times in the last 32 years, and they haven't won a tournament game in 32 years, maybe that's why they're not putting the bar and setting the bar as tournament uh, as tournament or bust. Yeah, I feel like you got to be realistic, too, with this basketball team. Knowing that this is year three, yes, you expect improvement from last year's 14-18 and 18 finish. And uh, the way that they get there, that's that's going to be the interesting thing. Uh, Ken Palm right now predicts them to finish 17-12, and 12, so that's 8-8 eight and eight in Conference USA play, and they take it uh, down every win and loss uh, that UTEP has uh, across the years. So, for example, they have UTEP beating UC Santa Barbara. They have them losing to Loyola Marymount, um, but regardless of all of that, predictions, I think UTEP can find their way to win 18 regular season games. And then in Conference USA, in the tournament, I feel like they can win a couple. And that is, that's right now, I feel like, where the expectations lie. And, and it's yeah. somewhere around that area. you got to show that you are competitive in the Conference USA tournament and that you're making real progressions year after year in this league to try to be not just a team that bows out in the semifinals, but a team who could be a legit contender and actually hang a banner so you can finally... Be- uh, break this streak and get back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I just, I just wonder, like, you know, 18 wins, 20 wins. Would minor fans be happy with that, or do minor fans want to see this team have a chance to play in the semifinals or championship of CUSA and have a legitimate shot at winning the league and getting the automatic NCAA berth? Like that's that to me is the, is the fascinating part about this. I mean. The league is the league is nine teams. So Adrian, I know Liberty's good. I get that. I know they're tough. I know MSU is going to be decent this year on the rebuild with um, with what they have. But you look at everybody that's in this league, and you think to yourself, really, why shouldn't UTEP be three the top three out of these nine schools of playing this year? Right. I feel like it's Liberty, La Tech, and then it takes a bit of a dip. Sam Houston State, Middle Tennessee, and UTEP return production. Those teams right there, maybe you could throw Western Kentucky in that same conversation, should all vie for that third place spot. And I think that's it's going to be kind of a, an interesting gauntlet. Maybe there's a lot of parity. Maybe Liberty separates themselves and they just uh, are so you know light years ahead of everybody else. Or maybe Liberty falls to some of these teams like UTEP and like Western Kentucky and like New Mexico State, I feel like UTEP wow. is in that second tier right now of Conference USA teams, and it's not too far away to be in that top tier. Just remember, Adrian, just remember, 
Who was everybody in love with winning Conference USA in football this year? Uh, Western Kentucky and Liberty. Yep. Well, really, Western Kentucky. That was the pick, right? That was the overall pick that Correct. everybody yes. said. How's that gone? Um, yeah, good point. I mean, they're out of the Conference USA championship discussion if they lose on Saturday against New Mexico State. So, yeah, they have they have fallen below their expectations for sure. And everybody was just predicting this based on continuity. What kind of minutes that they have from last year? And for Liberty, they had a head coaching change. Hugh Freeze wasn't leading them anymore. So people were wondering how, how long would it take for them to get back to uh, a winning point? Yep, exactly right. Exactly right. Anyway. All right, well, let's keep things moving. We've got 18 in front of five. We've got uh, still another 45 minutes to go before we get you ready for John and Steve and UTEP men's basketball. The women's team has a comfortable 20-point lead in the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter. Keep you updated on that and everything else. And if you want to get in and add to the conversation, we still have time for you. We'd love to hear from you. 505-6009 as Sports Talk continues. Miners are up 16 with uh, just under six to go in the fourth quarter. 63-47, the women lead Western New Mexico. The men will be coming up here at uh, the top of the 7 o'clock hour. We'll be out of here at 6.30 for John and Steve to get you ready for UTEP men's basketball. A little doubleheader of action right now. We're also watching the Chargers-Jets out here at Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino. It's our Monday night home. We've got great prizes we're going to be giving away on the show here as well. They include the following. From our friends at the El Paso Rhinos, we're going to give away four free Rhino ticket vouchers to be used for any game. We've got a four-pack of tickets to go see Paw Patrol Live. They're coming. Heroes Unite to the El Paso County Coliseum Saturday, December the 2nd. This will be for the 10 o'clock show. It's going to be happening all weekend. Uh, Paw Patrol Live, but if you want to see, uh, these are and these are expensive seats, by the way. This is not a cheap show. This is a very, very sought-after uh, performance. And uh, early morning at the Coliseum, Saturday, December the 2nd, we'll be giving those away here as well. We've got a pair of tickets to go see Pierce the Veil at the Don Haskins Center this Wednesday night from Live Nation in UTEP. It's the Jaws of Life, Pierce the Veil, coming to the Haskins Center. We're also going to be giving away a four-pack of UTEP women's basketball tickets to see them play the University of Missouri-Kansas City Saturday at 2 o'clock at the Haskins Center. We've got two free axe-throwing sessions from Relax El Paso at 808 Montana. We've got cart and green fees at Horizon Golf and Conference Center. That is going to be happening here as well. From our friends at All That Music and Video, uh, located at the Fountains of Farah, the complete history of the New York Jets and the San Diego Chargers. Not the L.A. Chargers, the San Diego Chargers. We've got a Chargers lanyard, Jets and Chargers keychain bottle openers, and also a large uh, Funko of Zach Wilson. That is a very cool item as well. It's probably about an eight-inch tall Funko. If it was eight feet, that would be a monster. But eight inches of uh, Funko for Zach Wilson and a Modelo football jersey. All that going to be given away here today at halftime of the Jets and the Chargers. You want to win? Come down and join us out here at Border City Alehouse. We've been diving into this uh, KTSM story on the New Mexico State new lawsuit. The difference between this and the last suit is 
the addition of guns. And we're not just talking about the gun used by Mike Peak. We are talking about guns that, according to the latest uh, you know, documents of the lawsuit that was filed today by former Aggie Kyle Fight, another unnamed player and another unnamed manager, they said that um, guns were a regular presence in the locker room and elsewhere on campus and on team trips. Fight, uh, Fight even said in the lawsuit that he had guns pointed at him from inside car windows three times as he was walking across campus. Now, Adrian, it's one thing to have a story talk about the hazing that we've been hearing about a lot. Guns is a completely different situation. And, you know, this is uh, disturbing to say the least when you now look to involve Mario Mocha, the Board of Regents, and all of the um, defendants who were named previously in the other lawsuit, part of this now. It just seems like uh, they, it's almost as if the first suit was, was really all about the hazing and this is taking it to a totally different level. Yes, and some might ask, okay, well, why now? Why now? Well, the reason we have it coming up right now is uh, Fight, who previously played at ASU, was on the verge of quitting the team. He actually signed with a pro team in Israel recently, Steve, uh, instead of going off and playing for another college team in the States. But he has returned home uh, due to the war in the region. So they said in the lawsuit, quote, his PTSD was triggered by the war in Israel, resulting him living in constant fear and worsening his condition, reflecting back on his experiences at New Mexico State. This is, man, this is really, really tough if it's true, Steve. And and this is some serious, serious allegations that are coming up. It is serious. In fact, uh, Kyle Fight is from uh, Boca Raton, Florida. So that's when, you, you know, that's where he's actually from. But uh, this is a uh, it's 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 crazy that this story has, in fact, um, you know, uh, and Kyle fight, by the way, uh, was a junior from uh, an IMG Academy. And he played at Indian River State College. And before that, he played at uh, Arizona State. As you mentioned, he spent uh, actually three seasons at ASU, then Indian River, then New Mexico State. So one of the more veteran players out there. But uh, Kyle Fight uh, claiming that, you know, this was a bad, bad situation and so bad that, uh, you know, guns were a regular thing in the New Mexico State locker room. Adrian, uh, again, it's 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 a they've they've completely cleaned house, but it is such a bad look. You wonder once again, with now going as far as saying guns were in the in, in the, uh, you know, present all. How did did, did they allow this? How did the staff and just not take action on this? Correct. And how did this not come up previously, right? Exactly. In the other lawsuits or in the other incident that happened, you, you know, like I even the, the killing of the New Mexico student, how did this not come up from somebody speaking up? And it's interesting. It comes up, uh, you know, uh, so far removed from the original lawsuit uh, for sexual assault and the sexual violence that was alleged previously. Uh, and now we get this story by a completely different player. Uh, it's 
sounds, Steve, like this entire team, for all the bad reasons, all the wrong reasons, needs like a full-on docu-series to recap all that happened in the Aggie locker room. This sounds like a a Netflix four-parter, doesn't it? It really does. does. Yes, it does. It's crazy. Crazy. All right. We've got another 30 minutes to go. Adrian's going to be heading out now to watch the men. we got the women in the final 90 seconds of their game. Sal Montes will join me for the final 30 minutes. It's Sports Talk Live, Border City, El House, 600 ESPN El Paso.